0: But that's the thing that that happens here in California. If you're having people over, you hire some people to come over and make tacos. You know your son, your son with the the medical anxiety? I want to stick him into a a coffin-like device for 40 minutes to prove that this thing is nothing. Welcome to the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage uh here under the Flypath at Los Angeles International Airport. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. So I sat down to record the show. Um well today's Friday. I'm recording this on Friday, uh November sixth. Okay. November sixth, twenty uh twenty fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. Two They're both the same, right? Okay. I say tomato. So now originally I sat down to do this on November 3rd, which was the anniversary of this podcast. We've been doing it. And by we, I mean I, well, not I, but anyway, I, we have been doing this podcast now for 11 years. And, you know, typically the uh, anniversaries come around every year and every year, you know, you know, whatever, I do something or whatever. And I came in here and somebody was not in the mood to do a show. Now, I th- I think part of it was, so what I've been doing is um, self-medicating through uh, caffeine and sugar. Now, I would, I really am pretty sure, now you know me, you know that I barely, 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 if ever, ever drink. And you know that I don't do drugs, you know, illegal drugs, and I don't abuse prescription drugs. And this is exactly why, because I can can tell that I would be no good, no good at regulating my intake of drugs. And alcohol, no, I have no self-control whatsoever because, because, you know, as with drugs and uh, alcohol, I really shouldn't be, uh, you know, sugar really affects my my system, my chemical system, right? And caffeine just aggravates that whole thing. And that's how I'm able to medicate myself with caffeine and sugar. Because basically what happens is if I'm getting a little tired or a little blue and I have some sugar, for about ten or fifteen seconds, I feel great, or at the very least, I at the very least I feel something. And then and then I begin to feel horrible, but then, but I'm at least I'm feeling something. And there's some weird maybe I'm addicted to feeling something, I don't know. So what it was so what happens though is so like this this school year I'm still not adjusted to this school year, and the fact that Hudson has to be at school at six fifty four out of five days a week. Okay, I'm not, I just, it's not happening. And so I'm usually tired. And to compensate for that tired-osity, I uh, drink Diet Coke and that makes me hungry because it speeds up all everything, right? And, and, and so then I'm eating all day and Diet Coking all day because it, so, somewhere in there, I get the idea that I'll feel better if I eat some of those muffins that are in the refrigerator. They have little chocolate chips on them. So they're really... Foamy. You know what I mean? They're like these foamy little puffy little uh, cupcakes. And then they have a little crunchy chocolate chips in them. Oh, God, they make me feel so sick because I, you know, I eat four at a time. It's, it's, listen, it's not been good. So, in all, but in all seriousness, that's why I don't drink because I know that I would never, never stop. It, just now, like just a couple of minutes ago, I knew I was coming in here. And for some reason, so, so as, so my wife was out of town, she had to go to Austria. She had to go to Austria to shoot a commercial for a Japanese car. I don't understand either. So that made things even more crazy because not only did Hudson have to go to school at 650, I had to somehow figure out how to get my daughter up and out of the house to come with us to drop him off at 650 for the four, or whatever, however many days my wife was gone, that that had to happen. So, needless to say, there was a lot of Diet Coke flowing, a lot of, uh, I was eating Hudson's Madelines and these chocolate chip muffins and anything else I could get my hands on, it was bad. I probably gained four, five pounds over the six days that she was out of the country. So that so so she's in Austria. Apparently because uh, they had an idea for a commercial for, she works on Mazda, okay, Mazda Commercials my wife comes up with ideas for commercials and then they pitch them to the client and then if if Mazda, Mazda wants to make the commercial, then Melissa goes and, you know, with other people, obviously, many other people, goes and they make these commercials. So if you see a recent commercial for Mazda and you like it, it's hers, and if you don't like it, it's not hers. Well, they had an idea for a commercial where they needed snow. Now, it's only October what uh, you know when she left it was maybe the 25th let's say i don't know october 25th in north america there's no snow now they were hoping they were going to get snow up in canada but no it's too early but you know you need to shoot commercials when you need to shoot them i don't know you know because it has to be on the air when the people seeing it would have snow you can't put a commercial on the snow on the snow, you can't... Hi, Howard, I'm, I'm adjusting my legs. Uh. We won't even talk about my... We'll have to talk about my legs too, Jeez, You cannot show a commercial where your target consumer is in... Not in... When they're experiencing springtime, they don't want to see snow, right? You got to jump on it. You got to be ahead of it. So in October, they need to find snow. And apparently to find snow, you have to go to Austria. So she's in Austria. I'm drinking Diet Coke. I'm eating cookies. I'm eating everything I can find. I'm gaining five pounds because I'm not going to karate. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything but eating. She comes home from Austria. What does she bring? Cookies and candy from Austria. Chocolate cookie layered with strawberry jam or something. Little things that look like little cupcakes but they're not they're cookies but in the shape of a cupcake but they've got the strawberry stuff in there and then the cookies with the layered it's three different kinds of chocolate and then a chocolate cake from some company that's been around since before the bicentennial it's just bizarre excuse me not before the bicentennial before you know basically a chocolate company as old as our country over there in austria in vienna, vienna or somewhere So I'm coming out here to record this show. Feeling pretty good. I had some lunch. You know what I mean? I I showered earlier today because I was going to be around people. Feeling good. And I think, you know, what I should do before I go out there is eat one of these Austrian cookies. Because that way I'll feel great for five minutes and then I'll just lose the will to live. And who wants to hear that? Oh, everybody. So I have my... I have my uh, diet caffeinated uh, cola beverage here with me stand by standing by is it cold oh it's still cold see the the problem is the problem is I'm American and the problem is you know I, I'm an American I grew up in the 60s the 70s the 80s and we drink right Americans drink cola we drink soda we drink pap we drink whatever you want to call it I don't know what you call I don't know what you call it where you live you'd call it soda pop soda pop are there other words for it other than soda and pop i think in rochester they actually call it pop i never called it pop because there were certain things about rochester that i had to reject and that was one of them i'll eat a white hot i'll eat a white hot all day long but i can't drink it with a pop Now, listen, I've, now, you know, I had a birthday recently. It wasn't one of those big round, you know, five or 10, you know what I mean? It wasn't one of those. It was just a normal birthday. But I wonder, I'm starting to wonder if I've gotten to an age where my body is always going to hurt because I keep getting pains, but I don't remember doing anything that would have inflicted the pain. See, when I was young. And by young, I guess I even mean younger, even in my 30s or 40s. When I had pain, I usually knew why. I had stubbed my toe. I'd hit my knee on something. I'd strained it somehow. I'd worked out somehow. Now I just wake up or I'm walking around and it's halfway through a day or whatever. I'm like, why does my knee hurt so much? Doctor, is this a normal thing at my age? I am still a somewhat relatively young man for being an old middle-aged man. Why would my knees start to lose all function? Now, yes, yes, it's true. I do go to these karate classes. You know, I'm horrible at karate, but I do still do the things that they tell me to do. And you have to do those weird karate standing things. You know what I mean? You have to stand in like the forward stance. So your knee is like over your... You know what I mean? Like your left knee is over your left toes and your right leg is straight and then your foot is supposed to be parallel to your other. It's like, you know, it, but, but it shouldn't be straining my knees, should it? So that was the thing recently was my knees. But then I thought, well, listen, while, while Melissa's in Austria, I'm not going to go to karate. So this will be good. It'll give me a chance to heal And it kind of did, but I do feel like someone's fist is inside my knee. Now, what should be in my knee is just my knee. There's like a joint in there somewhere and then that cap, the knee cap that goes on it. But other than that, there really shouldn't be anything in there, except I guess some people get fluid in there or something. I don't know. I've never, having really been a serious athlete, I've never had to deal with things like water on the knees. I had shin splints for a little while when I was in the eighth grade. Because when I was in the eighth grade, all the popular girls were on the track and field team, and I got it in my head that I would be on the track and field team. For two very good reasons, and I don't know if we've ever discussed this. Two reasons for being on the track and field team: number one, got to hang out with the hot popular girls; number two, was hoping to get a jacket. I wanted an athletic, I wanted an athletic jacket, and the track team always got these cool track team standard issue windbreakers and on the back they said something like fairport track team or fairport junior high track team or fairport something like that track team right and they had the awesome stock logo graphic decal image clip art whatever of the foot with the wings on it you know what i mean the international symbol of flying while you're running And so somehow I convinced myself that I could be a shot putter and I could run some sort of 440 relay, which I was terrible at. I was terrible at the running. I was terrible at grabbing the baton. I was terrible at taking the baton. I was terrible at passing the baton. None of the popular girls were on the shot putting squad, so I wasn't exactly hanging out with them. And for some reason, and I think it's just because it's my life, we didn't get jackets that year. I bet every year the 7th and 8th grade track team has gotten jackets through history in Fairport New York in perpetuity except when I yours truly your humble narrator was in the 8th grade. And I have never forgotten I've never forgotten that and I will never forgive the athletic department of the Fairport Central School District for not Offering to, right? I would, we were all going to pay, I assume, for the jackets. I don't think it was even a price issue. you Just come on. T- last night, it was my foot. This morning, I almost amputated my own foot. I was, I, when did I break my toe? Now, a couple months ago, I kind of broke my toe and I knew I did it because I was in karate class and I was sparring and I stepped on my own toe. And I told you that, right? With my left foot, I stepped on one of the toes on my left foot. Yes, my right foot is completely innocent in the story. With my left foot, I stepped on my own toe on my left foot and probably broke it or dislocated it or something. I did something horrible to it and it was painful and bloody red and blue and black and horrible looking for several days. Today I wake up, my foot, well, it was now my right foot, feels so much worse than my left foot felt when I know I broke my toe and I don't remember doing anything to it. That just doesn't seem fair. It seems like if you're gonna have a pain you should at least be able to Sherlock that pain back to the source of the pain. That only seems fair. It only seems like, Oh, right. I was changing the bulb in the bathroom in the shower and I had to get up on the little step stool and do that. And then when I came down, I was a little slippery and I, and I kind of kicked the shower door. And now I remember and that's how I know that would be fine for me, but not just wow. Why? When? What the hell is happening? Why? Why? And I keep biting my lip. My lower lip. Now, this isn't like sexy young girl bites her lip, biting your lip. You know how sometimes girls do this thing and it's kind of cute and they bite their lip. I don't even know how or why they do it, how they work that into a normal conversation, the biting of the lip. I don't know why I think young women bite their lips. They may not even bite their lips. And this is just something that I've manufactured. I I don't know. Let's back up. I don't bite my lips. I don't think. Although maybe I do. But I'm not talking about nervously sort of moving my teeth up and down on my lips. I mean, I have been biting full force while eating a pear. So imagine the torque that you're getting in your jaw to chew a hard pear. And then I bite the inside of my lip. So I don't mean the, the skin part of the lip or the like lip part of the lip that's on the outside. I mean the, the soft tissue. What do you call it? Like mucous membrane part inside full force. And I've done it. A couple of times, each time, like each time I do it, I do it twice. I do it once and I scream out in pain. And then I continue chewing the, the, the pear by holding my lip open so I don't bite it. Right. And then I finish and then I take it out, and then I do it again. I've done it so many times that I literally, I've given myself some kind of nerve damage in my mouth, in my lip some sort of there's been there's a short circuit now in my lips where every once in a while I can feel the human electricity going the wrong way inside my lower lip it is the most disconcerting thing ever have you ever done that do you know what I'm talking about like literally like I get these weird electric you know there's electricity in your body right isn't there electricity in there somewhere You don't feel it, but I think there is. You know how there's like water and blood and stuff and oxygen and stuff in your body? I think, isn't there also a little bit of electricity? Because I can feel it in my lips. I'm starting to feel like an android and things are short-circuiting and it's unnerving. Now, we went to um, Happy Halloween, America. And apparently, do Canadians uh, uh, celebrate Halloween, too? Do you do that up there in Canada? Maybe even the British have adopted. um, I don't remember what the British do. Do you guys do something where you sort of took some of our Halloween and kind of melded it with Guy Fawkes Day or something? I'm trying to think of when Guy Fawkes... Because Guy Fawkes has been co-opted by Anonymous in the Vendetta movies. But Guy Fawkes Day is this whole thing in England where don't you you burn him in effigy? But then isn't there some sort of trick-or-treating or something? Or am I... Because when we lived in England, we we knew a lot of Americans over there. And I wonder if maybe Guy Fawkes Day is near Halloween and we just, as Americans, just like, F this, we're... You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't know. So we went... so. I'm rearranging in my chair. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to, it's not a quiet chair. Listen, I can't, you know, I can't edit everything out. So Hudson, my son, my little son, you know, we've been doing this show now for 11 years. So as you can imagine, he's no longer the tiny little boy that used to say my daddy may now make an announcement. He's now a 16 and a half year old young man who has a girlfriend and shaves all the time and is tall and very kind of handsome and manly. And well, here's a weird thing. So I wasn't even gonna say this, but Hudson is so old now that so when when my wife was pregnant, early, early pregnant, like we just found out that she was pregnant, I was I got hired to do a very small part on a TV show called The X Files. And the X-Files was this man and woman FBI team. You know what? You know the X-Files more than I do. But I'm try- um, let me try to explain the X-Files because I really have only watched about a half an episode. It's a guy and a woman and it pl- played by David Duchovny and uh, Gillian Anderson. And she's the skeptic because that's just so weird. It'll be so weird. We- you know what we'll do to really mix it up? We'll make the woman the logical one. And the guy will be the more emotional one that's open to believing in... Sp- Scary things. It'll be awesome. People love it. Well, they did. They loved it. It was a very good show. So anyway, so I it's so, OK. So my wife is pregnant. I go on the X-Files. I do. I'm on the X-Files while my wife is pregnant. I play forensic technician and I walk around with David Duchovny and I uh tell him what happened to some car and then I can't do my lines because there's this thing. And it, we talked about it 10 years ago. If, if you weren't listening 10 years ago, then I'm sorry. I think you missed it. I can't, re- I can't say polychlorinated biphenyls. I, I just can't say it on the set with David Duchovny. Do, right? I can't do it. But, listen, they have this thing called editing. They edit around me and how horrible an actor I am. And then I'm on the X-Files. But that was so long ago that now my son, the son with whom my wife was pregnant, is now 16 and a half years old and is old enough and tall enough and handsome enough that he dressed to go to school As Fox Mulder from the X Files. My tiny little baby boy looks like like young adult David Duchovny. It's very unnerving. And his you know significant other wanted to be Dana Scully. It was her. I think it was her idea. They did that thing. And then so so he's off he's off being a dating person a young, hip, a teen person. My wife is in Austria. So my daughter and I are left to socialize. And the, so she had been invited to a couple of parties. Now, I don't want to talk about money every single time I do one of these shows. But, you know, I do I do live in Los Angeles and I do live on the west side of Los Angeles, which, as you can imagine, is somewhat close to the Pacific Ocean and some of the people that live close to the pacific ocean like really close to the pacific, their homes are very expensive okay i'm just in fact that's not a value judgment that is a matter of logical interpretation of real estate supply and demand right if you have a big ocean then no one lives right in the ocean but the houses on the ocean or very close to the ocean are very desirable And then a lot of people in Los Angeles come here to be actors and writers. And some of them succeed and become very wealthy. And some of them don't. And then they have normal houses. Okay. And then there are a lot of other people that come here and don't want to do that. And they get into jobs. And I don't even know what their jobs are. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Apparently, there are a lot of people whose jobs are just moving money around or something. Apparently, there is a lot of money to be made moving money around. So we go to this party. Some friends of ours are throwing and they said they're having a a Halloween party. They're having a haunted house. And I say, oh, that sounds like fun. And my daughter Toulouse says, yeah, they're having a haunted house in their old house because it's going to be torn down. And so it's all spooky in there. And I'm like, what old house? I thought, how many, how many? So, we go to their house. Now, our house is a tiny house. Now, maybe you live somewhere where houses are big. Maybe you do because you're an American. You live somewhere normal, somewhere where houses aren't a million dollars and they're big and they have a big yard or whatever. We have a tiny little house. I would tell you the square footage, but A, I can't remember. B, you probably wouldn't believe me. I think it's like thirteen fifty. 1,350 square feet, I think, maybe 12. I don't know. It's, it's a small house. Listen, we're a very close family. So we go to Toulouse friends' first friend's house and their house. And I'm looking at their house because this is a house now that as it turns out, they're, they're going to tear it down and rebuild a bigger house. Now, why they need a bigger house, I don't know, because their family is the same size as ours. The people are larger, but it's really it's only four people but I stand in their backyard during their haunted house party and I figure that we can fit five of our houses in their house that they're tearing down. But no, keep in mind though, the, 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 the father slash husband of this family is a very successful guy. He's one of those guys that's so successful I can't bring myself to speak to him. Do you understand? Because he's tall, He's probably a couple years older than me and he is very right. So I just, I'm like, eh, I can't, for some reason I, I, I become a child and I can't, I just can't talk to this. I can't talk to him. He's a very nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Everybody else, all the normal people, I can't, I can't do it. So then it turns out they, they're not, it's not that simple. They're not tearing down the house to rebuild a new house. They're tearing down the house and then they've bought the lot behind them and they're gonna i don't know what they're gonna do but they have two lots worth of house that they're gonna build maybe they're gonna put it in a pool i know they're putting in a basement which if you know southern california <laughs> they're not that common but okay the house this is all happening in a place called manhattan beach now you don't need to live in this area you can just surmise by the name Manhattan, beach, put those two concepts, tear those concepts apart and then put them back together. Think, okay, Manhattan, uh uh-huh, okay, got it, beach, okay, got it, okay, Manhattan beach. So my mind is kind of blown. I'm very impressed and I'm very happy for them because these are very nice people. Don't get me wrong. These are not jerks. These are really nice people that I like very much. But they're dealing with an amount of money that, honestly, uh, yours truly cannot fathom on any level. So as we're leaving their house, we have a lovely time. They have the haunted house. They have a a couple of people come and make tacos. See, that's something we've never done because we're so middle class. I have never, I don't think, hired other people to come to our house and make tacos for us like for a party. And apparently that's a very common thing to do. It's not, it's not an outrageous thing to do. We've just never done it. But that's the thing that, that happens here in California. If you're having people over, you hire some people to come over and make tacos. And what I had never noticed is these people that came to make tacos, the lady, the, the first lady, when you go in line and you're waiting and you talk, there's two ladies, the, the mother aged lady, of the daughter-aged girl, okay, there's like a teen, 20-year-old, 22-year-old girl, What woman, young woman. Her mother-aged mother woman is making the tortillas. Like right there. Maybe I don't know you. Maybe you make tortillas. I don't know. She just has a big thing of dough, and she's pulling handfuls of dough and putting them in some sort of like cool-looking wooden old-school tortilla press and making tortillas. I thought tortillas came in plastic bags. I had no idea that you could just make a tortilla with some dough. I mean, of course that tortillas must start out as dough, but I don't. You know what I mean? I don't think about tortillas being round dough and then you squish them. They're just tortillas. They just exist. You you ask for extra ones at Pollo Loco, and that's where tortillas come from. They come from Pollo Loco. So we have a wonderful time. Tulu has a great time. I end up speaking to a couple of the dads because I dread these things. Like, I do have social anxieties. And, and I'm telling you, Tulu, listen, I like to kind of complain about everything, basically. But Tolu goes to school with a bunch of nice kids with really nice parents. So I had a great time. I actually was dreading it. And then the first person I saw was this woman that I really liked, this woman, Tal. She's awesome. And then I ended up talking to these two dads. And this is going to sound weird. And, and, this, and for a lot of you, this won't even matter. But I started talking to these two dads, and I talked to them for probably an hour and a half about Paul Weller. Now, Paul Weller is the guy who wrote the song called The Bitterest Pill, in parentheses, I ever had to swallow. Paul Weller is a singer-songwriter, band leader from England, who's very popular in England. Not not that well known. I mean, to the point where in 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 America, I don't talk about Paul Weller. I would never go to a party and go, oh, you know who I really like is Paul Weller because I really like the Jam. Never heard of him. Well, you remember the Style Council? What song did they do? Um, my ever-changing moods. No. My ever-changing moods, boy who cried wolf, shout to the top, walls come down, and none of this, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's my typical Paul Weller conversation. So I'm at a party at a haunted house, at a house where they're going to tear it down and build 13 houses on this lot or two, and, and, and what's his face is, Connor's dad or whoever it was, says, blah, 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 Paul Weller is my favorite so I'm set for the rest of the party we just start talking about the jam and the style council Paul Weller and the solo stuff and is he still touring what's he doing and then of course that goes to just nauseating conversations about Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson and Squeeze and where's Dave Wakeling from the English beat oh I heard they were just at the bar the other day oh I was going to go but I didn't go but Dave Wakeling he lives in the area whatever so as we're leaving We're walking out now. We're walking out of this future construction site, right? This place is basically going to be under massive construction for the next year. But next door, because it's Manhattan Beach, and apparently there is still money for the recession is over, my friends. The 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 property next door is uh, under construction, but they already have the fences up, chain link fences with the green tarp thing behind it, so you can't see through, right? And we parked in front of that lot so I I knew it was happening but I never really took the time to look in and see what was going on in there you and I could build an entire city in the construction site next door I have never in my life seen a construction site that large That was not going to be a mini mall. I have no concept of how many lots that was. These lots, by the way, I mean, if you had a shack in Manhattan Beach, you could sell it for probably a million, million and a half dollars just for the dirt. Like people want the dirt. The dirt. It's got to be worth a million, a million and a half a lot. This is at least four. It could have been six six lots in manhattan i i what what are you a sheik is that what this is this is like arabian oil money coming in now to manhattan i don't i have no idea i can't wrap my head around it so then so the next night we go to another friend's house wonderful couple he is a very successful television producer. He was one of the producers of um, Extreme Makeover. Wait for it. Don't judge. Don't. You got. Okay. Don't judge. Extreme Makeover colon home edition. Ah, see. Ah, okay. It's different. right. Extreme Makeover kind of gross. Extreme Makeover colon home edition makes you cry with joy. Admit it. Just just, please, because I will admit it right here. Every episode of Home Makeover Extreme Fashion, whatever it's called, what Home Extreme Makeover Home Edition, every one I watched, I cried like a little baby. Every episode. It was just like, oh, my God, the little boy, he's now got a slide in his room so he can slide in to see his friends. Oh, cry, cry, cry. So we go over to their house. Now they live, they don't live in Manhattan Beach. They live in the marina, which again, I guess the clue there is marina because marinas are near water and they're where people who can afford boats live. I got it. So they have a party every year because their street, I guess, is a big trick or treating street. Now our street can sort of be a big trick or treating street. It really depends on the year, but people come to our neighborhood in van loads and drop off their kids. And then they go around and trick-or-treat or they don't drop off the kids. They all just get out of a van and they all trick-or-treat. And I I don't have a huge problem with that because I get it. Listen, maybe you live in an underprivileged neighborhood. Or maybe you live in an unsafe neighborhood. Maybe your neighborhood is just the kind of neighborhood where you can't walk around and trick-or-treat because the houses are too weird. They're too far apart. They're too few. There's too, right? What are, I get it. That's I, Listen, that's cool, man. The only real issue I have is when a 21-year-old is babysitting with her six-month-old child who has no teeth, but they're trick-or-treating like, listen, honey, we know who's eating the candy, okay? Can we just stop? And can you put your cleavage away? I don't, right? I should not at my door be besieged by cleavage on, on Halloween, cleavage should not come and ring my door for candy and it was weird because ra- I would heard a thing on the radio or something where someone was had written into some advice show or something about I don't know what to do because I live in a nice neighborhood but people are always coming in for the, you know and the reaction from the advice person was look suck it up you're so lucky I, I to, to be, if you live in a neighborhood where people want to come from somewhere else to be in your neighborhood on Halloween, then you're lucky, you're blessed, you're right, you, you, you were born on the right, the right, something has gone right for you. Just enjoy it and give out some damn candy and be done with it. And apparently this year, we were those people that went to a nicer, now we were there for a party, so it was a little different. But basically, so they live they live in the marina. Uh, on one of these streets, and and you know, how how do you describe it? I mean, land is so uh, at a premium that the homes are right next to each other, and there's no lawns or anything. It's just houses, house, 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 house. So, the streets are all, like every street almost is really just an alleyway. And it's either an alleyway behind the the houses, or in front of the houses, or on the sides of the house, or whatever. But it's really just kind of feels like alleyways. Really rich people live on. So our friends, um, you have this really nice house in in this neighborhood, and we found it, and we had to be careful because I don't know my way around there, and it's all the everything looks the same, and we had directions, and she, and the woman of this couple said park you know, pull up at the the garage door behind in the back on such and such street and then let Tolu let out and then go park over at the thing where you can park. Which I thought was fine, except the address I had was for the front door. See, the front door and the back door, they're on different streets because again, there's no yard, right? So your house goes, like your front door is on this street, your garage door is on that street. Maybe you have a side door from your kitchen. That could be on a completely different alley so I'm following my phone which I know I shouldn't do but to their front door address and the front door navigation thing is taking me right through the trick-or-treater so that was clearly not the thing to do because it's such a given that this is going to happen they don't even officially block off the streets it's just like listen jackass you should know so don't okay but I drop off to Lou now, Tolu has already put together. Now, this is her third Halloween costume. She was Rapunzel at school. And then at the haunted house, she was like a ghoulish girl with white skin. And she was all kind of gothed out, I guess, in a way. Right? Black lips and uh, like s- scars on her face and everything. And then now she's Black Widow. My little blonde dancer body, Black Widow, which I, I think this is the last year that we can't have a serious talk about the skin-tight Halloween costumes because she is not she just she daddy just we can't okay you can't dance and then wear tight clothes at halloween at your it's just we, we you know lines have been crossed okay can we just and thank you um so the whole reason i bring this up was was this so we go uh to their house and all the kids are there and some parents are there and whatever and the kids are whatever so I'm, I'm I'm, wearing too much clothing because I decide for a costume, I'm going to dress like it's the 90s, like a grunge guy. So I'm wearing this big black wig and a red ski cap and a flannel jacket and my like a CBGB's t-shirt and jeans and Chuck Taylors. And it's hot. I've got way too many layers on for October in California and I'm hot. So I, I go stand outside. Now, by this point, The place is a madhouse. It looks like Mardi Gras, but no one's lifting up their shirt. Okay. There's, there's like ghosts hanging between the houses over the street. There's people in costumes everywhere. There's candy flying everywhere. It's just, it, it's like a street party. It's amazing. And it it was beautiful and it was awesome. It was awesome. It was beautiful. And the people really go for it. They really put up lights and decorations and they've got music playing and all this stuff. Now, I notice that right directly across from our friends, there's this huge garage that's completely open. It's like a three or four car garage in this big house. But I can only see this, you know, the, this face of the house It's on whatever street that my friends live on, right? And there are a lot of people going in the garage to trick or treat. And some of them are adults, and I realize the reason that adults are going in there are there are two very attractive, very leggy cat women in there. Now, I don't mean cat woman like the supervillain cat woman. I just mean brunette, kitty cat ears, little black nose. 10 foot long legs fishnet stockings black unitard and they're handing out candy and they're smiling they've got gift bags they've got something they're putting in these gift bags or whatever i don't know what the hell's going on i just know there is no stinking way that two gorgeous leggy cat girls live over there right so let me get this straight my friend who right? My friend, the homeowner, Bradley. Bradley, let's listen. So I, so I see Bradley. He's outside. He, he's the nicest guy. <laughs> it's a, it's almost criminal how like good a guy this guy is. It's insane. I like. I wish I was like half that nice. So so I'm like Bradley. Listen, I okay, dude. I I, I gotta ask you. What is going on across the street? There is no way. Maybe one of them live there. Lives there. But not two of them, but like twinsy, hot brunette cat. Like what uh, the hell is happening over there? Now, keep in mind the night before we were at some place where they hire someone to make you tacos. For all I know, these guys hired hot models to give out the candy while they're having a party or something upstairs. I have No idea. No idea. So Bradley says, no, 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 yeah, that, um, yeah, that house, that house is for sale. Oh, okay. So I immediately think, okay, I get it. So that house is for sale. So they hired a couple of hot women to come and give out the candy to kind of get people to check out the house. And he's like, no, that's the realtor and her assistant. And then I'm like, oh, because yeah. Because if you're selling homes in the marina that cost whatever that thing costs, trust me, you're a hot, leggy brunette. The attractiveness of a realtor is in direct proportion to the asking price of any home, trust me. What I didn't realize at the time was, because I don't know the marina that well, so there's the main road that we had to take to get to Bradley and his wife's house. Right. And that's like via Marina or whatever. It's one of the main roads. And then you take that a, a, a couple, you know, I take that in and there's a couple streets of houses and there, you know, their street. And then the street that this house is on. But what I didn't realize is the other side of this house is actually the nice part. And it's on some kind of canal. And then maybe there's more houses and then there's maybe a then finally like a beach or something, right? Now, don't get me wrong. My friend's house is a very nice house and I'm sure it's worth way more money than I want to know. Okay, let's just be clear on that. It is a very nice house. No one is suffering. Any one of us would gladly own and live in that home. It is very nice. I didn't realize until I got home and looked it up But the house across the street that's for sale can be yours for nine million dollars. Now you were probably hoping, and yet maybe you're not this naive, you were hoping that I was going to say nine million. $100,000? No. $9 million. Now, I would have thought for $9 million, you would have a house that size and a semicircular driveway, maybe a topiary maze, that you could get lost in when you go crazy and you kill the groundskeeper. You'd have a groundskeeper. A guest house next to the pool with the tennis court and you could go, you could play tennis, then jump in the jacuzzi and then go into the swimming pool. You've got the Olympic lap pool maybe and then the others, right? Not just like a house next to a canal. Now granted, it's a big net, but nine million dollars? 9 that doesn't that doesn't even that doesn't even sound like an amount of money that someone would spend on anything 9 million dollars seems I mean unless you're making a superhero movie like that doesn't seem like a real number to me Does that make sense? Just checking the time. So 9 million Oh, <laughs> uh, that's like what do you what, what do you i mean you right what do you do that you have nine million i mean it's, you've got to be a, an arab like an oil chic or something right you can't like is there a job that you can have that you could pay the more what would the mortgage be on nine million dollars money can money can be absolutely without a question no object if you're paying a mortgage maybe maybe that's what it is like when you're in that echelon you don't pay a mortgage you know what i mean just like yeah nine million dollars we'll get a place next to the canal that's fine all right i'm opening my carbonated cola beverage um So, you know, you take the kids to the doctor every once in a while, right? That's what you do. And when I take my kids to the doctor, so I, so we have a son and a daughter. As you may or may not know, our son is 16 and a half. Our daughter is uh, 12 and a half. My son suffers from uh, acute medical procedure anxiety my daughter couldn't care less could not care less no, no, who cares stab her with a needle, fine, doesn't matter doesn't matter my son, he crawls out of his skin if you even, like if I told him today that before he turns 30 he has to have a blood test he will worry about it until he turns 30 Every day, okay, he just, it's just a thing with him. He's always been that way. It's whatever he can't get. He hates getting shots. He hates it. So you can imagine when he gets a shot, it's typically like a flu shot and his sister is there and she's of course like, yeah, stick it to me, doc. I don't care. You know, like she's a tattoo queen or something. She's just like fearless. And he's like, "Oh oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. But normally, you know, you take your kids to the doctor and it's nothing. Whatever it is, it's nothing. They have a cold or they have a flu or they need a flu shot. Or it's just a routine checkup or whatever. And so Hudson had this thing that was a, kind of a lumpy thing behind his chin. Is that, a, is that a good way to put it? Like you've got your chin... And then, um, you know, like I'm sticking my finger, I'm sticking my finger up in there as if that's going to help you understand what I'm talking about. But like, for instance, can you hear that? I have facial hair at the moment. Sorry. That's what that sound is. So like, if you, if you could picture your skull and your jaw and all that stuff. So, so like you've got your chin and then there's the, you know, the inside of your jawbone where, right? not your Adam's apple, that's too low, but somewhere in there. So, he had like a thing, like a lump, some hard thing. So, he came to his parents and he said, hey, mom and dad, I got this kind of hard thing. And I'm like, well, where is it? And he shows me. And I'm like, huh, that's weird because you'd think if it was um, glandular, you know, that would be over on the sides. This was more in the center. And it was hard and disconcerting. It wasn't I guess it was painful for a little while, which is what got his attention. But, and it was hard. And so he wanted to, rightfully so, get it looked at. So typically what happens is his mom becomes very concerned. I become somewhat concerned. We take him to the doctor. The doctor says, this is nothing to be concerned about. And then my wife has to get on the phone with the doctor so he can talk her down. And I just believe whatever the doctor says because, right, I figure he went to medical school. I did not. He is qualified to make a medical diagnosis. I am not. So I'm going to believe whatever he says and get along my day. So So we take him to Dr. K, his normal doctor. And Dr. K looks at this thing and he's like, huh, now I got to admit, I'm Expecting the doctor to just like, oh, yeah, that's just a little whatever. It's just a subterranean zit. Nothing to be worried about. But the conversation didn't quite go that way. In that kind of normal, lighthearted, you guys are so much fun, get the hell out of here way. It went in that way of like, huh, hmm, yeah. Yeah, it could be a calcium deposit. It could be, could be, you know what? And I'm like, what? why are, why are we, why are we, why are we drawing this out? You're supposed to just say it's nothing. And then we're supposed to make a joke about how Hudson doesn't like to get a shot. Now, nah, you know what? I think, I think you should go see the ears, nose, throat guy and have him take a look at this. He may want to do an ultrasound just just to make sure. Just to make sure. I don't think it's anything to worry. And then this, right, and then it's time to like, well, I don't think it's anything to worry about. And you shouldn't get worried, but you should probably go see him. Oh, really? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, you yeah, know, Hudson, what's your schedule like next week? And, and the doctor's like, no, you know what you could do? And then you're like, oh, I see where this is going. You know what you could do is, um, hey, Heather, could you see if Dr. Uh, B is available to see Hudson uh, right away? So now I gotta be cool, and be like, "Hey, yeah, we'll go see Doctor B. It's not that big a deal. It's fine. Whatever. This is not a you know. It's nothing. It's probably nothing. We're just going to a specialist uh, uh, right away. It's certainly nothing to be worried about. That we're literally running to another doctor. So please, for an ultra, don't. And if he wants to give you an ultrasound, it's just because yeah, just you know, we're just gonna check it out. So then you know. We got to call my wife because she wants to hear the great news that it's nothing. And so we call her and I'm like, well, you know, we're just going to go over to see Dr. B right away. And he's going to give it an ultrasound, but it's really probably nothing. And it's no big deal. And let's not have you freak out because H is too busy. He's going to freak out and he's trying to be good about it. I'm trying to act like it's no big deal. And so none of us can worry. So let's not worry because we're just going to go to Dr. B and he's going to do an ultrasound on Hudson's chin. And that's it. And then everything, it'll be nothing. It'll be a calcium deposit or some sort of a glandular thing or whatever, subterraneal zit or whatever. So that's the plan. The plan is we're going to go right away-ish to go see Dr. B. Now, right away-ish is in like 45 minutes or something. And Dr. B is over near the hospital. like in the building next to the hospital, or maybe it's part of the hospital, you know, hospital. So we start saying the word hospital a lot now. So now we're saying the word hospital and ultrasound and right away and Dr. B and right away and get over there. So we haven't had lunch because we didn't think we were going to be at Dr. K's that long. We didn't think we were going to Dr. B's. We thought we were just going to find out that it was nothing and then go home or whatever. So we go over and park at the mall that's near the hospital, the Beverly Center, and we, uh, here's my plan. We got to remain calm. Dr. B, right, he's at the hospital thing, which is right next to the Beverly Center. That's the mall. We're going to go to the mall. We're going to park at the mall. We're going to go to the food court in the mall. We're going to eat at the mall food court. That will be fast because it's a mall food court. Then we're going to go down and we're going to walk because it's a very short walk over to Dr. B's office at the hospital. And we don't have much time. So we got this is like an army maneuver. So let's go. So we're kind of walk-jogging through Beverly Hills, and we get back to the car, and we get in the car, and we go the couple blocks this way, a couple blocks that way, and we get to the Beverly Center, and we go and we park at the Beverly Center. We take the elevator up or down or whichever weird way. It's like a weird. You go up. You think you're supposed to go down, but you go up or something. I don't know. We go into the Beverly Center and we go upstairs to the third floor, the fifth, whatever floor it is that the food court is on, and the food court is gone. Now apparently, I have not been to the Beverly Center in a while, but apparently the food court is now some Japanese department store or something. It's completely gone. And I thought we were going to have all these choices of food. There's no choices of food. There's shirts and sweaters and slacks and shoes. So we go to the mall directory and we look and the mall has not moved the food court. The food court is officially gone. The food court is now Well, you go to the restaurants down on the street level. You know where everyone else eats every every everyone that works at the I don't know, mall, hospital, the mall across the street, the businesses around, the hotels around, everybody okay. So next thing you know we're at line at Chipotle my kids don't really eat at chipotle i don't think they do they want anything from chipotle i've only been to chipotle a co- i love saying the word Ch- chipotle though i do i love the word chipotle i've only been there to chipotle once or twice and i got a burrito and it was the size of an old coffee can Do you remember back in the old you Are you my age? Did you grow up back when coffee wasn't a, like a priceless commodity and it just came in big cans? And your mom would open a can of Folgers or Mills Brothers or whatever the hell that was. And you're right, she'd scoop a couple scoops and make coffee. And your dad would have coffee before he went to right. And the coffee came in cans the size of a Chipotle burrito. So I go in there thinking these kids are not going to eat a ginormous burrito at Chipotle. There's no way. Now, I don't know why no one told me that you could just get tacos at Chipotle, but we just got tacos at Chipotle and chips and guacamole, and it was wonderful, and we had to eat in a hurry and get over to Dr. B's office. So we go to Dr. B's office. Dr. B, hell of a nice guy. Here's nose and throat, right? And he looks at Hudson's thing, and I'm just waiting for him to go, oh, yeah, this is just a calcium deposit or some sort of subterranean zit, and he's feeling it around. And he's moving it this way, and he's moving it that way, and he's asking Hudson questions about, you know, does it hurt? Well, yeah, it used to hurt, but now it doesn't hurt, and it's getting smaller, I think. So I'm like, well, hey, that's good news, right? If it's getting smaller and no longer hurts, it must be nothing because it no longer hurts. And bad things hurt, but things that don't hurt can't be bad, right? So we can probably go. So Dr. Bellick... Doctor B says. Doctor B says, "Um, well, you know what? Just to be on the safe side, let's do an MRI." And I say, "Well, don't you mean an ultrasound?" Because I'm thinking he can do an ultrasound right there. And he says, "No, no, no. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's do an MRI." Now everyone's talking in that weird way that they're talking when they're being insistent but don't want to like really get into it you know what i mean like no let's do an mri why do you think that it's no no no? i just want to make sure that it's nothing it's nothing it's pretty sure it's nothing pretty sure that it's nothing i'm just saying i just want to get an mri i just want to stick your son into a loud horrifyingly ominous machine. You know your son, your son with the the medical anxiety? I want to stick him into a a coffin-like device for 40 minutes to prove that this thing is nothing. So I took Hudson for the MRI by myself because I'm the calm one. And he's calm around me. He and I are, you know, we're just guys. We're just going to take care of some business. And my son is a nervous wreck. But also... He's a man now. He's a young man. He really kept it together. And, you know, it's kind of a long walk of doom, right, up to the building that's going to do the MRI. And you sign in, then you got to wait around, and then you got to go change. You take off all your stuff, and you put on the hospital gown, and you can't have any of your stuff with you. And I could come with him and sit in the MRI room, as it turned out, but I couldn't have any of my stuff with me. No cell phones, no keys, no nothing. They had a special locker that we were able to put our stuff in that we could lock with a key that was somehow some sort of magically MRI-proof key. And they took my baby boy. And they laid him down in the MRI machine. it's very loud in there even when the machine isn't machining when it's not making an image you feel like you're at NASA and you're preparing to go into hypersleep they put goggles on him and he had to be really still his feet had to be here his hands had to be there and they were going to do two or three rounds where they'd take a break every once in a while but he had to be very still my little boy with the medical anxiety the machine was just so loud we couldn't talk and he had to be still anyway. I don't think he was even supposed to talk. So every once in a while I would just kind of rub his ankle. Because we're guys, we don't get each other all riled up. We don't. It doesn't become an emotional thing, right? So it's easy to go with dad. But by the same token, you can't be a little boy around your dad either. Not at 16. So I didn't know how much I should try to force myself to mother him, or if I should just learn to be a man myself, and we get through it together, but not hugging, not holding hands, not not showing weakness. it just churns away and churns and churns and churns. It's so loud in there you have to wear earplugs. And it had kind of a nice beat. And my little boy looked so big sticking out of that machine. But he's only Five or 10 or 16 and a half, I don't remember. I just know that the thing is loud. And churning away and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting to prove that that thing in his head is nothing. And it was. It was nothing. The doctor figured it was just a calcium deposit of some kind. we're going to keep an eye on it. But it was just one of those reminders that time is fleeting. Your time together is limited no matter what. You got to step back every once in a while and, you know, look around. So a couple weeks later, he and I were having a couple burgers together, and the place where we picked up the burgers was so crowded that we decided to drive over to a park nearby to eat before we headed back home. It was a beautiful Saturday. Fall was just about to arrive. And we're sitting fairly quietly together. And I point over to my left and I go, oh my God, man. Do you remember that little park over there, the little playground area with the sand and whatnot? You and I used to come here all the time and just play and dig and swing on the swings and you'd go spin around the little roundabouty thing do you remember that? and he said no no I don't remember that at all and I said no really no right there I mean I, they've, they've remodeled it since we used to come here but remember we go in that fence right there and there, the sand thing was there and then the, the like the slide thing And then the little horse on a spring thing. You don't really, you don't, we we did it for like years, for like five years. No. Not really. He says, I remember that summer, though, that Tulu did a musical theater camp around here. It seemed like we spent the entire summer in this town, meaning El Segundo. I think it was two years in a row that we decided to eat at that Main Street Cafe or whatever it's called, the day of her performance, and the food took so long that we couldn't finish it and we had to run over there to make sure we didn't miss anything. And I said, I'll take it. If that's what you remember, I'll take it. Because even though we had to rush through so much We didn't miss a thing. All right, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. This has been uh, edition, uh, what is it, 340. Uh, Thank you for, um, what was I going to (laughs) say? Well, one thing that just dawned on me, so since... A couple things to check out on the website if you go to to, uh, um, thebitterestpill.com. I guess I'll upload a picture of me in my wig. I really don't have a picture of me in my whole 90s look, but I'll at least show you the wig. Because I like wearing wigs. My friend Paul was like, yeah, Dan, whenever you get a chance to wear a wig, you pull out the wig, don't you? Yeah, bald. So, um, And then last time I think we talked about the whole thing with Wikipedia... Yeah, we did. I wrote an article about that. First, I just had it in my head. I had to get out this very long, like 3,000-word thing about the Wikipedia situation. If you want to check that out, that'll be on the post for this uh, episode. And then also, so then Paul Babbin started making historyofpodcasting.org and it has an exhaustive, ne'er I say, dare I say exhausting um, listing of Myself, The Bitterest Pill, and then literally every episode ever. By name, release date, who the guests were. It is really weird to see 11 years laid out before you uh, like that. If you have any interest in seeing it, I don't know why you would. You should check it out. Really, the the really eye-opening thing about it, as you can see how few episodes I did in 2013, <laughs> Or 14, it was it was pretty bad. It was a rough, yeah, it was rough here. Anyway, and then um, what else was I going to say? I don't know, I guess that's it. Right now I'm trying to, to create a new habit. Have you ever tried to create a new habit? I'm trying to create a new habit because I really want to f- have some sort of book together by Father's Day, and Father's Day is June, uh, you know, I don't know, man, maybe June 19th or something. And so I'm not just saying this, I really would appreciate your input because it's so, there's so much that I could write right away. Uh, if there's an episode of The Bitter's Pill that you think would be a good thing to include, you know, a good story to include, I basically want to use stories from the podcast as jumping off points, but but let me know. Um, my goal, at least for the first book, is to, to focus more on stories that are in some way about being a dad. Um... God, I tried like hell to write this week and I just can't do it. I realized that I just to have too much ADD, ADHD, whatever it is, to sit and write. So what I'm going to do is I have to go back to the episodes and pull from there. I know that might be boring for you to read. I don't know. Maybe I'll rewrite. I don't know what's happening. And the stuff that I and the stuff that I want to write, I can't write. So I'm going to have to record them as podcasts anyway. Anyway, if you want to be involved in that and, and suggest anything, I, I'm all ears write me, uh, you know, send me a message through Facebook or Twitter, I don't care write me a pill at danclass.com doesn't matter to me but that's all I got, listen, thank you all for listening thank you for downloading the show thank you to all our Patreon patrons uh, you make the show possible, paying for bandwidth and uh, uh Diet Coke the shout out people for this episode are take it away thank you to all our patrons including dave jackson mike hamilton harold goldner Flores, tom carroll david chase and gerard corcinez chris class scott mercer and rob houston all our patrons help make the bitterest pill possible yes thank you thank you one and all and everyone of course that supports the show even a dollar an episode is very 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 appreciated No idea what we're going to talk about next time. Um, Probably not Halloween. Okay? We'll think of something, trust me. Uh, Anyway, so thanks. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Drop me a line anytime. Let me know if you've written me... Oh, I just thought of someone that sent me the greatest email. Oh, I never wrote her back. Oh my God, what a jerk. How am I going to find that email? If you are a woman... And you recently wrote me an email, and the whole gist of the email was like, oh, I can't, why am I writing you this email? Forgive me, because I I really wanted to write, leave the nicest thank you. And then I didn't, and now I don't know how I'm going to find this email. Anyway, all right, listen, maybe you shouldn't write me emails, people. Maybe I'm too big a jerk. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The Bitters Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...